0: We stopped at this McDonald's in the middle of nowhere. The car keys for the rental car, they actually had two sets of keys wired together. It was so bulky. And I like tucked part of it into the pocket. It was too big to fit the the whole thing into the pocket. But I go into McDonald's and go to the bathroom. And of course, I don't want to touch anything. So I, I flushed the toilet with my foot. And when I did, when I lift my leg, it knocked the keys out of the pocket. This was the most industrial flushing toilet ever. It was just like, Wah! and they were gone. The keys were gone.
1: Welcome back to another episode of Drive With Us podcast. I'm Neat And
2: I'm Taryn G. And we're super excited to have you ride with us as our drivers take us on some adventurous drives around the world. We have another wonderful driver for you today, Carrie McDougal from Chicago. She is a mom of three and is an executive and career coach living in suburban Chicago, author of Winning the Game of Work, Career Happiness, and Success on Your Own Terms. She is also the host of the Marketing Mambo podcast. Here's Terry.
1: Welcome Terry, to Drive With Us podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's so good to be here. Thanks for having me on. I'm super excited to talk to you about your crazy driving experiences. We got a little preview of it when we chatted before. But before we dive into your crazy stories, let's get to know a little bit about your driving background. What are some of the places that you've driven? And where are you currently?
0: I'm in suburban Chicago now. And I grew up in Delaware and have driven all up and down the East Coast. I've driven back and forth between the East Coast and here multiple times. One time, I went on a cross country trip with a bunch of friends to go skiing for spring break. We went from DC to Colorado by way of Chicago. (laughs) It's not really on the way. So yeah, I've I've driven a lot. When my husband and family and I went to, we've been to Arizona and Colorado and done big loops around both of those states. So I like driving.
1: That's really cool that you've been to so many different places. Have you ever been in a situation where you were like a passenger in a car and you're like, oh my god, this is Not a
0: great idea. Yeah, (laughs) many times, actually. I mean, whenever I was a teenager, I grew up in a rural area. And what we did for fun was like drive around. And this was back in the 70s and early 80s. There's a lot of drinking and pot smoking. I mean, I, I actually never really liked that kind of stuff. But unfortunately, I've been in cars with people that were definitely intoxicated and was too young and dumb to be like, Don't or let me out. (laughs) I I remember one time riding around with some people and and we ended up taking a bit of a unplanned detour into a (laughs) cornfield. Nobody was
1: hurt. You think that's what sparked you loving driving and being like, I want to be the driver?
0: Well, I, I really think that the thing that sparked me wanting to drive was the fact that I grew up in a rural area. I actually grew up in Sussex County, Delaware. It's like over near Rehoboth Beach. And when I was growing up there, it was very rural and the town I grew up in, there wasn't much going on. So we would always want to drive to Rehoboth, which was about 10 miles away. And so being able to drive and having a car was really important. That symbolized freedom to me. And I, I also, I'm just, I love travel and I love seeing new places. And so
1: driving is one way to get there. I can totally relate to that because we also live kind of out mm-hmm. of the way. Yeah. So like if we want to get anywhere, it's like you're gonna drive at least an hour. Yeah, exactly.
2: Well, this is a great way to segue into your crazy driving experiences. What would you say is one of your most craziest driving experiences that you've had?
0: This one's like a two parter. <laughs> when I was in high school, now, my dad is a car guy. He actually when he was like in his late teens, early 20s, he actually served on a pit crew for like, I think it was like a stock car racing team or something like that. And he knows how to work on cars. And he would buy old cars and fix them up and that kind of thing. So he bought me a 1966 Mustang when I got my driver's license when I was 16. And that was in the early 80s. And one day it had snowed. And I actually parked my car in this church parking lot that was like, one house away from from our house. And so I would just kind of cut across this backyard to go to school. I went out and I was trying to go to school that day, but there was snow and I was backing up and every time that I would back up, the car wouldn't go forward. And I, I thought it was because of the snow. It was kind of funny because the minister came out and he's bringing these like the things, the rugs that you wipe your feet on, he's bringing them out and putting them under the back because he thought that my car wasn't going because there wasn't enough traction. Actually, what it was was that I had the parking brake on. (laughs) And and I finally realized it would back up, but it wouldn't go forward. And so I finally realized it and I let the parking brake down. And he's like, Go, go, go. And finally, you got some momentum. But that made me late for school. And so when I got out to the highway, they had only cleared one of the two lanes on the highway. And I got behind this car going. You know, I was like 16 or 17 years old, and I thought they were going slow. And I was like, I got to get to school. So I pulled into the other lane that was still covered with snow. Mustangs are real rear wheel drive cars, which do not do well in snow. So when I pulled into the other lane to pass them, the car spun out and I hit the guardrail head on. And also, because this car was a 1966 Mustang, it only had a lap belt. It did not have a shoulder belt. So my head went forward, and it hit the steering wheel, and I broke my nose. The people that I passed stopped, thankfully, and they went and called the ambulance and the police, and I actually <laughs> had to go to the hospital in the back of an ambulance. I was fine, except for I was you know, shaken up from the accident. And I'd broken my nose. That was the first part of the story. So crashed my car, heartbroken, et cetera. But I still needed a car. My dad, as I said, he's a car guy. He had all these old cars. He would buy cars at like sealed bid auctions. I don't know. It's just something people like my dad do. But he had this one car. I think it was like an old 98. It was something that I'm sure some 90-year-old died And then the family sold the car at this auction or something. My dad bought it for probably some cheap price, but the thing was like 20 feet long. And he was like, well, you can drive this car. It wasn't as cool as my Mustang, but at least I had a car. And one time it must not have been that long. Maybe it was like within a month I was driving home from school. And once again, it had snowed, which is weird because it doesn't snow in Delaware that much. And once again, I hit a snowy patch on the highway And this big car spun out and it went into the median strip. It actually went across the median strip and it was facing the lanes on the other side of the highway facing in the wrong direction. And so I was like, I don't know if I want to have to do a U-turn on that side to go and and turn around. So I was like, I'm just going to try to drive across the median strip. The median strip is in a shape of like a ditch or like a V because it's for drainage. And this giant car, as I'm driving across it, it got stuck. It got wedged in between the two sides of the median strip. And so I'm stuck. I was like, okay. and this is long before cell phones. So I had to get out of the car, had to run across the highway. Thankfully, again, it's rural, so there's not that much traffic. But I had to find a house. There weren't a lot of houses along the highway. And I found one and I asked them if I could use the phone. And I called my mom. She worked at the post office. And I was like, mom, the car got stuck. I spun out and the car's stuck on the highway. Can you call the local gas station and tell them to send a tow truck out? And she yelled at me. She was like, I'm busy. I'm at work. What are you doing calling me? And she's like, when I get a break, I'll call them, which I don't know if she didn't understand <laughs> That her teenage daughter was on the side of the road. But anyway, I'm out there waiting. And I don't know how long it was, maybe 15, 20 minutes. I don't know. But this pickup truck is driving on the highway. And they just zoomed over to the side of the road where I was standing. And the guy gets out and he had like a big tow rope on the front of his pickup. It was not a tow truck. But I thought, oh, well, maybe this is what the local guy has. He hooked it up to the front of my car and he pulled the car out. And after he pulls it out, I was like, okay, well, thanks. I talked to him about how much money I owed him or that my mom would pay him or whatever. And he comes up to me and he's like, would you be interested in going out with me? (laughs) I was like, no, I have a boyfriend. And plus, I don't know who you are. And he was like, okay. And I was like, okay, well, thanks for pulling me out. I get home and I talk to my mom and she's like, oh, I never had a chance to call the service station. And so this was just some guy that saw a damsel in distress (laughs) stopped and pulled me out, which that was nice because it didn't cost me anything. And I didn't actually have to go on a date with them.
2: Yeah. When you mentioned Mustangs and rear wheel drive, that word's really hard to say when you try to say it fast. But I've noticed that one time too, I was driving to work and there was a Mustang in the right lane and it was snowing, there's snow on the road and he tried to hit the gas and I just saw him swerve and he couldn't go straight. And and I just picture that when you're describing this moment. Yeah,
0: exactly. And I mean, I had no idea about any of that stuff at the time, but of course now I understand front wheel drive does a lot better or all wheel drive obviously does better in the in the snow, but I had no clue. I just remember spinning. That was scary, spinning on the highway. And I was trying to counter steer and so forth, but it's a very helpless feeling when you're just spinning and you don't know when you're gonna stop.
2: What lessons did you learn from this or what tips would you give to other drivers if they were in this situation?
0: Well, a few. If your car won't go forward, make sure that you don't have the parking brake on, (laughs) number one. Number two, Take your time when it's snowing. I was really so much more concerned about making it to school in time for my exam, which obviously I did not make it to school at all for my exam. I had to do a makeup later. But being a little bit late is is much preferable to getting in a car accident. And then I guess the third lesson is don't try to drive across the median strip.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Especially in a big old Yeah, area. exactly. Exactly. <laughs> What would you say is your second craziest driving experience?
0: This second one that I'm going to talk to you about is one that when it was happening, I was like, am I in a movie? What's going on here? Again, this it, it has another Delaware connection. I lived here in... Chicago, when that happened, but my husband was doing something for the week. I can't even remember what it was, but I I have three kids, and I decided to take the week off and take my kids to Delaware to visit my sister because she lives in Rehoboth Beach. So we flew into National Airport, and I rented a car, and we drove across the Chesapeake Bay Bridge to the Eastern Shore to my sister's. And we spent a few days there going to the beach hanging out with my sister and her kids, my my kids' cousins. And when when we had to go back to the airport, it's pretty rural over there on the Eastern Shore. It's funny because my sister had gotten up and she'd gone to this fancy donut place and she'd gotten these gourmet donuts for us to eat for breakfast. And everybody loved them except for my daughter. She does not like donuts. She's weird. And so she did not want to eat anything. She didn't want to eat the donuts. So we're on our way back to DC. And it's about maybe two, two and a half hours from where my sister lives to the airport. And we're like an hour into the trip and she's like, mom, I'm hungry, I'm hungry. And so we stopped at this McDonald's in the middle of nowhere. I parked the car and the car keys for the rental car, they actually had two sets of keys wired together, which to me defeats the purpose of having two sets of keys. But it was so bulky that I i had a jean skirt on and I like tucked part of it into the pocket. It was too big to fit into the, the whole thing into the pocket But I go into McDonald's and go to the bathroom. And of course, I don't want to touch anything. So I I flush the toilet with my foot. And when I did, when I lift my leg, it knocked the keys out of the pocket. But this all happened all at once, where I'm hitting the thing to flush the toilet. The keys fly out into the toilet bowl. This was the most industrial flushing toilet ever. It was just like and they were gone. The keys were gone. I hate to say it, but I stuck my hand down there to see if they were still stuck. They were gone. They were absolutely gone. And I was like, oh my God, what do I do? Thankfully, I had a BlackBerry. I mean, this is, I don't know how long ago it was. I didn't have like, and this was like before super smartphones. Maybe I'm going to estimate it was like 2013. I had some internet connectivity on my BlackBerry, but it wasn't smart like the smartphones are now. And I was like, thank God I brought my purse and my phone in because I almost was just going to run in and get my daughter something, go to the bathroom and get back in the car. But I was like, what do we do? I remembered that on the car, it was a Hyundai, that it had a little sticker on the window that was Hyundai roadside assistance, because I did not want to call the rental car company because I knew that they would probably tow the car two hours to the closest rental car place because there were none close to there, and they would charge me a ton of money. I called Hyundai Roadside Assistance, and they said, okay, we'll send a tow truck, and it should be there in 30 to 45 minutes. It's August or something, and luckily, the McDonald's have a play area. My youngest daughter, she was probably eight or nine years old, and then my sons were like... 13, 14, something like that. So we're sitting outside, we're going back and forth, like, okay, here's some money, go buy an ice cream cone. Okay, you wanna play in the playground for a while. 30 to 45 minutes goes by and the tow truck's still not there. And I'm like, okay, well I'll wait another 30 minutes or so and just see, maybe there's traffic or whatever. Mm And I finally called them back because the tow truck hadn't shown up. And they're like, oh, well, I just called him. And they said that they're, they're close. They'll be there soon. I keep waiting. And then it gets to a point where it's like a couple hours since I called. And I'm getting frustrated because it's like 90 degrees outside. And we're in the middle of nowhere. I'm concerned about getting to the airport, missing the flight, that kind of stuff. And luckily, We actually were going to visit my husband's brother for a little while. So we had planned some extra time into the the trip. So I had a little bit of time. But anyway, I finally get to a point where I'm like, this is way too long. And I called the place and I was like, you need to call another tow truck because this is ridiculous. I can't just be out here with my kids in the middle of nowhere and I'm locked out of the car. So they said, "Okay, well, we're going to call another tow truck. And within 15 minutes, this tow truck shows up and the tow truck looked like it had gotten pulled out of a junkyard. The cab of the tow truck was rusty and had multiple colors of paint on it. And I just assumed this was the tow truck that they called second because it came right after the guy had called. So I go up and I start talking to the guy. I'm showing him where the car is. And the next thing I know, five minutes later, another tow truck shows up. And the second tow truck is beautiful. <laughs> it's got this custom paint job on it. It's got racing stripes. It's amazing. Beautiful. And I'm looking at these two and I was like, okay, now I see what's happening. The second tow truck is actually the second tow truck that got called, and I I look at them too and I'm like, which one of these do I want towing? You? Do I want the one that looks like it's going to break down at any second on the side of the road or do I want the beautiful tow truck that's super fancy? And I actually I had talked to the The roadside assistance people. And they had told me that they trust the tow truck companies to be able to say that they can get to the location within an hour. And the reality was that this tow truck company was legitimately further away than an hour away. So they lied. Once I figured this whole thing out, I went to that guy and I was like, I don't want you towing me, I want this other company towing me. And he was like, well, I have to call my boss. So I was on the phone with his boss. And we talked about this, that this is a family friendly show. And I do not cuss people out or anything like that. But I totally told this guy off. I was like, you have left me and my children out here for hours. You know, you lied, I absolutely do not want you you, uh, taking me. There was a little bit of a standoff between the tow truck driver of the other tow truck and this new tow truck, but the the first guy finally left. And it was funny because with the second tow truck, it was a driver and this lady that came along. She was like a helper, like customer service person. She was like, well, we can't leave your children out here, obviously. And I was like, no, of course we can't. And she's like, okay, well, we're going to all pile into the cab of the tow truck. So it was the driver. The lady that came with it, me and my three kids all got into the cab of this tow truck and it was multiple people sitting on laps and that kind of stuff. And they drove us, it was probably like 15 miles to a Hyundai dealership. And at the Hyundai dealership, I mean, gosh, I know this is a long story, but at the Hyundai dealership, they were like, okay, we're going to see if we can get the code off of this car and make you a duplicate set of keys. And they did it within their dealership and it didn't work. And this was like a Saturday. And they were like, we can probably drive to Easton, Maryland to a locksmith because they've got better equipment and see if they can do it. And I was like, okay, please do. It took them probably about 40 minutes and they came back and the key worked. And it cost me, I don't know, a hundred bucks or something. And and the roadside assistance paid for the tow. And so I got my key, I put my kids in the car. (laughs) And I had to call my brother in law and say, we're not gonna be able to make it. We had some issues. But we went to the airport, I turned in the key (laughs) that I had made at the Hyundai dealership. And we got on our plane and we came home.
2: Wow. (laughs) What a trip. (laughs) In the
0: middle of that I was like, this is I think that there used to be a show called tow truck wars. And I was like, I am the, in the middle of an episode of the Tow Truck Wars. Crazy! It's like this actually happens. <laughs> oh my gosh, it was crazy. It was totally crazy.
1: And you're also so lucky that you already had so much extra time built in. Yes, totally. To to the airport like, totally. You would have never made that flight.
0: <laughs> no, well, we would have been spending the night at my brother-in-law's house, I think, and and trying to rebook.
2: Yeah, it's interesting that they did put both keys together it's like what were they thinking like if you lose one you lose both it's
0: just, I don't I think that maybe they put them together just so they keep them for when they sell the car because they usually sell them when they get to like 30 or 40,000 miles but yeah it just didn't it didn't make any sense you know and then plus because they were so bulky I couldn't fit it in my pocket so I blame I think it was Hertz I'm going to blink (laughs) Hertz.
2: (laughs) You call them out. Yeah, Yeah, I've had to call a tow truck, I think twice now. And both times they say an estimate of like maybe an hour. So it took almost all day before they ever came. So luckily I had someone else to come pick me up and then they can take the car. But like in your situation, there was no one to go to since you were so out of the way.
0: Yeah, and it would have been very expensive for them to tow because the rental car companies they they'll charge you they'll charge you for everything i i have one more story if and they're all in delaware maybe i just need to stay away from delaware
2: (laughs) keeps it interesting (laughs) Uh,
0: yeah the, the third story is it's also involves a rental car and i i was visiting my sister again so again maybe it's my sister in delaware but she had moved and I wasn't familiar with the neighborhood that she moved to. And so I was driving on this dark, a little bit back road. That was, it was, the road was along a golf course and I'm driving along, looking to see like where the turn is. Cause I wasn't familiar. And next thing I know there's a deer on my hood. I hit a deer. And the weird thing was that again, this was like when I was spinning, Time stood still for a second because I'm just driving along and all of a sudden this animal was on the car and I saw this thing like pop up off of the car. And in my mind, I thought it was the deer's eyeball because it was like a round thing like popping up in the air. And I was like, oh my God. And I had to pull over and I realized what happened. I hit this deer, but it got up and it ran off. There were like a bunch of them coming across the golf course. And that one just ran right in front of me, but the car was still drivable. I drove down and I turned around and I had missed the turn actually. And I came back and I went to my sister's house and I was like, uh, I, I hit a deer. What I found out though was thankfully it wasn't the deer's eyeball. It was the, I think I had a Kia that time. It was the emblem on the hood when the the impact with the deer, it popped off and it flew up in the air. But then what happened was because the hood was mangled and bent, my dad actually came and took a look at the car. And when we when I tried to start it the night before I had to go back to the airport, it would not start. And my dad said he thought something inside got cracked and that the moisture got into it, and so it wouldn't it wouldn't start. The rental car company had to send a tow truck to take the car, but the rental car companies, boy, they, I mean, I had insurance through my credit card, but it still ended up costing us like $900 because they'll make you pay for the time that the car is not earning income. So it's kind of a
2: racket. Yeah. They'll charge you for whatever they can. (laughs) Yeah, they absolutely
0: will. They absolutely will.
2: Yeah. But luckily it was an eyeball. Like I can't imagine (laughs) if a deer's eyeball would actually pop out.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yes, I know. But it, in that moment, it's so shocking. I mean, we are just driving. And it was so dark that I could not the golf course was just there. And it was all dark. There's no lights on it. And they were, I guess, we we're just running across the golf course and across the road. And it was just on the hood before I even knew is like a really surreal experience for something to happen so suddenly
2: yeah i can relate i've had two deer encounters and most of the time they just i've heard that they end up just walking away and they don't really get they don't get killed most of the time they are able to just like they hit the car and they're fine they just yeah i mean
0: i would imagine that maybe they die later or they've definitely got some injuries but my sister told me that like a week after i hit that deer on that road that her daughter hit a deer on that same road so they do not learn
2: (laughs) the first one that I had was a male deer. So it was huge. He had like huge antlers and he he got thrown across the road when and I was not like going 30 miles an hour. So it wasn't even that fast. So he got thrown across the road. And then he got up and he just stood in front of the car and just stared at me. <laughs> like how did you hit me? Like, yeah, or we gonna fight. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's about how fast I was going too.
2: So since you have driven so many places, and you've been to so many different states. How would you describe drivers in different states? Have you noticed any differences?
0: I lived in the D.C. area for a long time, and people are on the beltway. They're driving fast. They're driving crazy, not very patient. The thing that was really interesting is my husband and I, we moved to North Carolina about a year after we got married from the D.C. area. And the thing that I noticed about North Carolina is that people were a lot more patient Like in in D.C., if you were at a stoplight and you didn't go immediately, people are going to be beeping the horn at you and stuff like that. And there, it's like I almost felt that people would let a whole light cycle go by before they would ever hit the horn. People are just a little more friendly and more patient there. Although one of the things that I did notice was about merging say for example if you're on the highway and there's a sign that says down to one lane and in a mile we're doing construction and there's it's going down to one lane people would just get in one lane before you had to merge and my husband and i were used to driving in dc and we're like you just stay in the lane until the lane closes because you're just you're making the traffic slower if you get into one lane quicker But man, people used to get so upset. Like if you kept going in the lane until it merged, people would move over and try to block you. That I thought was really crazy. I was like, you guys need to learn how to drive here. (laughs) You just keep driving until the lane ends and then you merge. You don't just get in one lane a mile ahead of the lane closure.
1: I feel exactly the same way. Maybe it's just us Maryland driving (laughs) versus like everywhere else because I will do the same exact thing. When we would go into Pennsylvania, people would do that. Like they would merge so far in advance, and I would just stay in the open lanes. Like it's yeah. not closed yet. Right. So <laughs> What are you doing? Exactly.
0: Exactly. You just you're supposed to do the zipper thing. When you get down to the end, you take turns. But I don't know why some people just feel like they want to be prepared. I'm gonna get in the right lane. Just a little little crazy. I'm trying to think about other places. I mean, I lived in Boston, also but I didn't have a car when I lived there. The roads are crazy in Boston. And I think that that might actually have an impact on how people drive too, not to cast any aspersions on people from Massachusetts. And I live in the Chicagoland area here. And my gosh, on the highway here, every once in a while, you'll have people that are driving like they're in the Indy 500, weaving in and out of, people are going 75 miles an hour on the highway. And then you got somebody who's going 90, weaving in and out of the cars. And that's insane.
1: Yeah, I would not be able to deal with that. Like 695 the Beltway area here in Maryland is crazy enough for me.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I mean, sometimes the, you'll see people that are zooming from the far right hand lane over to the left hand lane and back. It's insane. I just try to stay in my lane. Not <laughs> <I> just <laughs> definitely avoid those crazy people.
1: Yeah. Now that we heard a little bit a lot about your crazy driving experiences, let's dive into what kind of driver you are. How would you describe yourself as a driver?
0: I I think I'm a good driver. I mean, even though you've heard of some early experiences where I I was still learning and maybe had some lessons to learn. But well, actually, I'm going to tell on myself a little bit. In, In my high school yearbook, they asked for pet peeves. And one of my pet peeves was people that don't use their turn signal. (laughs) So I think I try to be polite. I try to signal. I am definitely not a tailgater because I'm like, why? What's the big deal, right? You can leave a little space in case you need to hit the brakes. You don't want to be rear-ending anybody. I like to drive maybe a few miles over the speed limit, but I'm definitely not one of those people that's driving super, super fast. And I also don't like to use the cruise control. I just I don't feel like I'm in control whenever I'm using the cruise control. So even though I know that you can slow it down and you can stop it, but I just like to have my foot on the on the paddle.
2: Is the blinker thing still your pet peeve today or do you have another driving pet peeve?
0: Well, I mean, I suppose... I still don't like it. In fact, I think I was going someplace with my husband the other day and somebody, they're in front of us and they almost stop in the middle of the road and then they start turning and then they turn on their their blinker. And I'm like, what is the purpose of this? Like, yes, we figured out that you were turning when you were turning. Maybe you could have let us know a little bit before this. So I suppose that the answer to that would be yes. I just think it's really rude. (laughs) Plus, it's smart to let other people know what you're doing so that they're not running into you.
1: Exactly. And this, this is also okay. This is also in Delaware. I guess all of our things are in <laughs> Delaware. We were coming back from, I don't even remember where we're on a road trip. And there was a sign on the highway that said blinker fluid is free. Use it. And I thought that was hilarious because people don't use their indicators. Yeah. I always wondered how many people actually thought blinker fluid was a real thing.
0: <laughs> I never have heard of that, but I like it. Actually, we just got a new car and the car has one of those blind spot indicators. I'm super excited about that because that's a tough thing, especially when you're you're driving on the highway and sometimes you're aware, but maybe somebody speeds up in the lane and you don't realize they're there. So
2: I'm excited about that. Yeah. Or they just hang in your blind spot. Yes, you're not-
0: that's the worst. So just having that little, I, I can remember in driver's ed that, that my driver's ed teacher said always... Look in your mirror, but before you switch lanes, look over your shoulder to make sure. So I always thought that was good advice. But I've had some close calls over the years where you think nobody's there, you start to go and then there's like, yeah,
2: all the new, I guess, safety features that they've added is making driving easier. Whereas before it's like you had to, it was all on you. It was all on
0: you. Yeah. Well, one of the features on the car that we get just gotten, I haven't used it yet, but it's lane detection it I guess it probably has some cameras that zero in on the lane and if you start to veer out of the lane it'll pull you back into the center of the lane, which I haven't used it, but I would imagine it would be really handy on longer road trips.
2: Yeah. I've yeah. I've used it when I first got my car and then it got annoying after a while because when you're on your like daily commute, you're like, okay, I don't need this. So. Yeah, yeah. I know. That's
0: kind of one of the things that I was wondering about too. Like if you've I've been driving for like forty years. So if you have never had to use that, and then is it really helpful or is it just annoying?
1: I will say I have used it once when I was super exhausted from like, it came from a uh, off the plane, we had a long flight.
2: I just used it then. It's like, in case I like zone out.
0: Yeah, totally.
2: Going a little back into your first time driving experiences, how would you describe that? And what was your driving test experience like?
0: When I was learning how to drive, The car that my mom had was stick shift, and it was a lot to try to remember, like clutch and gas and and the brake. And I I can remember one time driving on this back road and taking this corner way too fast because it was downshifting, and I forgot to hit the brake to slow down, and then having to restart the car, and then the the light turned red and the people behind me beeping the horn and stuff. So that was nerve wracking. But my first car was actually a four or five speed, I don't know, but it was a manual transmission. So I know how to drive a a stick shift, which I think is a good thing to know how to do. But my driving test, I don't even really remember it. I I remember driver's ed. And I remember my driving partner was named Ursula. (laughs) And we also had a choice of I went to Cape and Lopen High School in Lewis, Delaware, and we had a choice that we could either drive to Ocean City, Maryland for our long driving test with our instructor, or we could drive to Dover. And I was like, oh, that's, that's boring. I don't want to drive to Dover. So I drove to Ocean City.
2: So it sounds like your kids have learned to drive so far. All of so my far. kids have, yeah. Well, then, all of them? How yeah. was that experience? I, I think it was, it was
0: okay. It's funny because I was the one that was more focused on helping them learn how to drive especially my oldest my husband I don't know I think that he was just in denial or something that he didn't want to take him out so I would just take him down till there's a parking lot that's like we live close to Lake Michigan and there's a a parking lot at this park and I would take him down there and have him like drive around in it because there weren't a lot of cars and there were some accidents, like small ones. Like my my son, we had a Honda minivan and he would drive it to cross-country practice. And one Saturday morning, he went in for practice. And I don't know what his deal was, but he got in the van and he just gunned it, pulling out of the parking space. And I guess he didn't see this car that was parked behind him. And he hit this little Honda Civic, and he ended up moving a full parking space over, and it made a huge dent in the back of our van. But I was the first one that wrecked the van. I wrecked the van when it was a week old in the parking garage at my building, which was mortifying. It's horrible. <laughs> I don't, we hadn't even made one payment. We had not made one payment on it, and I was used to driving a sedan, and the parking garage was under the building and there were these gigantic big square columns. And my parking space was around this one column. And I just took the corner the same way that I took it when I had the car and it wasn't a big enough turn radius for that big vehicle. And I just scraped the whole side of the van down this big column. And I was just like, oh my God, please. At first I was like, oh, maybe it's just a little scratch, right? got out. The whole side of the van was just crushed and scraped and it was horrible. And I went upstairs to my office and my boss, who I had a really good relationship with, he made a little bit of a snarky comment because I was late. and, And he was like, oh, I'm so glad you showed up. And as soon as he said something, I just burst out crying. And he was like, oh my God, what's the matter? What's the matter? I told him what happened. And he actually made me feel better because he told me that him and his wife backed into each other in their own driveway and wrecked both their cars. So I was like, okay, well, I
1: feel a little bit better. That was not bad.
0: Yeah. We did take the car and got it fixed. The door had to be replaced. The back quarter panel had to be replaced. It was not good.
2: Well, a scratch is always better than a huge dent. Yeah, So switching gears a little bit, since we have been talking about your current driving experience and your past driving experiences, let's talk a little bit about the future of driving. I know we touched on this a little bit of how you don't really use cruise control, but what are your thoughts on self-driving cars? And is this something that you would get into? I'm
0: not that into the whole idea of self-driving cars. It's funny, because I was actually talking to my son today about when you've grown up in a generation where you had to rely on yourself. I mean, we talked about some of the safety features and they're great, but even things like learning to read a map. When I was growing up, we actually would, when I lived in DC, we had maps in our car. You'd have a book that had the map of the whole area. And if you were going someplace you hadn't been before, you'd find it on the map and then just figure out how do I get from point A to point B from the map yourself. And I think nowadays, I mean, I like GPS, I like the Google Maps and all that kind of stuff. It's really convenient. But I think that a lot of skills have been lost because we rely on on technology too much. And obviously, with a lot of the self-driving cars, I mean, we're seeing that the technology is missing. Somebody's in the crosswalk, and for some reason, the car malfunctions and the person gets killed. It's horrible. Or they're saying like, oh, you should pay attention even when you're using self self-driving and people are watching movies or playing video games and they end up getting in some fiery crash because they didn't control the, the car. I just, I'm not into it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. I would not, I wouldn't want to be in a self-driving car. I just enjoy driving too yeah, much. Yeah, you too. I haven't been to the point where it was like, I haven't obviously driven when it was only MAPS, but like we still have Atlases in our <laughs> van. They're yeah. outdated, but our dad definitely used them a lot. Yeah.
0: Well, you know, one of the things that I found, too, is that especially when you go you get out west, a lot of times the Internet connectivity is not very good. So if you're relying on the Google Maps to show you where to go, sometimes you're literally driving blind because you can't get access to the maps.
1: Yeah, and you also don't want to rely too much on GPS because like if the road is changed and it's not updated, mm-hmm. we're like, I think our uncle is telling us a situation where the roads keep going straight, but then there is like a roundabout there and it's like. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh... Yeah, totally. I mean, our old car had built-in GPS, but we didn't update the, it was like a 2008 and We didn't update the software on it because you had to pay and we're like, ah, whatever, that's good enough. But there were times when we were going someplace and maybe they built some new roads and it wasn't on the GPS or there was an access road that wasn't there. When they put the GPS together, it can be a little bit tricky sometimes when you're relying too heavily on the technology.
1: Bonus question time. Are you ready? Yeah, I think so. (laughs) If you could make one new driving law, what would it be?
0: One new driving law, it would just be actually for people to follow the driving laws that we already have. Drive in the right hand lanes unless you're passing. Too many people are like, hey, I'm going the speed limit 65. I'm going to drive in the left hand lane going 65 miles an hour. It's just super dangerous. And then I guess the other one would be, and you guys definitely guessed this, make people use their blinkers.
2: Yeah. I don't know if they actually fine you for that right now, but if, that would be a law that you would like to implement. That'd be interesting to see how many people would actually follow it if there was a fine associated with it.
0: I, I really wish that more, I was talking earlier about how people drive so crazy. Like my husband and I actually, we just picked up our new car on December 30th, maybe a couple, it might've been like New Year's Day. We went out for like a little bit of a drive and we drove a little bit South and we came back on the highway. And this Tesla was, it was weaving in and out of the traffic and when they came in front of us, it was like inches. And I was like, oh my gosh, like if that car in front of them slowed down just a little bit, it would be a catastrophic accident. And I just really wish that the, that kind of aggressive driving could be policed more because I think it's really super selfish of people. And when those kind of accidents happen, they really are horrible.
2: Yeah, I agree with that. I feel like it's also, I guess, location dependent. In some areas, police have more like dangerous things to focus Mm -hmm. on as opposed to just like someone not using their blinker. But then in other states, there's like nothing going on. So they can pull you over for tailgating. Yeah. It depends.
0: Well, (laughs) you know, in in Chicago, they've got the red light cameras. They also have implemented speeding cameras. And actually, they have that in D.C. too. I I actually. (laughs) this is another rental car thing i ended up getting a speeding ticket in a rental car one time that it came months later i got a charge on my american express and i was like what is this for and it was because i was clocked on some highway in dc exceeding the speeding limit and they sent a ticket to the rental car company and then of course they charged me plus some additional fee on top of that i mean I guess I just said that I want them to police it so I can't complain too much. But it's super frustrating. Like we know what the Chicago, we know what the when the envelope comes, I'm like, oh, man, the red light tickets are 100 bucks. So when those come, it's like, and and when you're going through it, like you'll, you'll think like, oh, I can make it through and then it flashes and you're like, man, they got me. It's horrible.
2: Sometimes I find it hard to know, like, When the light turns so quickly and you're going like just fast enough to not stop, but not fast enough to cross. And then you're like, which do I do? (laughs) I know,
0: I, I agree. And I feel like they time them so that they can make more revenue.
2: I know you mentioned a little bit of advice earlier, but do you have any final thoughts or any final tips
0: that you would like to give other drivers? I would say take some deep breaths, people. Let's avoid the road rage. It's not worth it. I didn't talk about this at the beginning, but I am a executive and career coach, and I actually talk about how what we believe can impact how we feel. And I actually, I, I've written a book too, and it's called Winning the Game of Work. And in the book, I talk about how if we change our thoughts, we can change our responses. And, and an example I use is that If you're driving down the highway and somebody swerves into your lane, I mean, we've all experienced this, right? Where you're like, oh my gosh, like the belief deep down inside a lot of times is that this crazy person's trying to kill me. And so of course, if that's what our belief is, we're going to beep the horn and start cursing them and maybe shake our fist or give them the finger or whatever. But I want to contrast that with if you are driving down the highway and a police car or an ambulance swerves into your lane, you have a different reaction, right? Because, you know, deep down inside, you feel like, oh, they must be on their way to taking somebody to the hospital or to an important situation. So we don't have the same response. So I think that it would behoove all of us that when somebody does something that feels threatening to maybe consider that they're really not trying to kill you, that maybe they're taking their wife to the hospital to have a baby, or they just, lost focus momentarily they're really not trying to kill you just so we don't have so much violence on the highways that's my advice change your mind that
1: is a really good way to think about it and hopefully more people will implement that because yeah. we don't need all that aggressiveness on the. we
0: road. don't we don't and like no why why let your blood pressure go off the charts just take a deep breath and get back to you didn't die nobody hurt you take a deep breath and just get back to what was going on before. Don't get caught up in the drama.
1: Exactly. Well, thank you so much for coming on. It was so much fun talking to you before we let you go though. Where can our listeners find you if they want to connect with
0: you? Yeah, well, they can go to my website, which is terrybmcdougall.com or they can also connect with me on LinkedIn. My handle on LinkedIn is terrybmcdougall. And if they are interested in living a happier and more successful career, They can check out my book, which is called Winning the Game of Work, Career Happiness and Success on Your Own Terms. It's available on Amazon. And I also have a podcast, which is called Marketing Mambo, where I talk to people that are in and around the world of
1: marketing. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on. It was really great talking to you. It was
2: great talking to you guys, too. Thanks for having me. When Terry was sharing the story of flushing her keys down the toilet by accident, And we were all trying to figure out what was the reasoning behind them putting two keys together. Well, I looked it up. Oh, you did? You did your re? I had to. I'm like, I know we're speculating what could possibly be the reason, but I looked it up and this is from auditory.com. So I only looked at one site. I didn't do proper research, but yeah, I just got this based off of what they said. Do you have any guesses as to why they might do that before I share why they do that? Well, I mean, I thought
1: it was so that, like, you know, you would keep them together because, like, don't lose one. You're only renting one. I don't know. Why would you need your spare separate?
2: I don't know. What was the reason? So what? So before they used to give you both keys, they used to actually give you one and keep one. And then they would transfer it to the office. But if a key was lost in transfer that didn't you know like the office wasn't able to send or something like that then it was on the rental company to have to cover those costs and then they're like oh what if we give both keys to the customer they lose a key charge them extra they cover the cost we don't have we don't get in trouble we don't have any issues we get money from this (laughs) so it was a way to turn it around and put the cost on the customers so they didn't have to pay money out of their pocket because apparently they were losing a lot of money that way.
1: I mean, I could see that, but...
2: Pause for the siren. This is a life of a podcaster who lives <laughs> next to a fire station. Now that she brought that topic up, I can't even remember when I rented a car if I had both copies of the keys. I did. You did? Mm-hmm. I can't remember. They I were, were
1: key chained together.
2: I honestly, I don't... I feel like that's something I would remember if it was double keys. But I also had push starts. So it's like they had them together and I just threw it in my purse. (laughs) I honestly can't remember. And I've had rentals two times, three times, three cars. I probably had them both. Well, okay. When I rented from the Toyota, I'm pretty sure I just got one because it was going to go back to Toyota. It was like Mm. their car. Versus if you rent from like Enterprise or something, you could drop it off at another Enterprise in another state. So then I feel like they would give you two.
1: Mm.
2: Anyways, <laughs> we could go into whole debate about that.
1: If you've had any crazy interesting rental car stories, share them with us on Instagram at Drive With Us Podcast. And we hope you enjoyed listening to Terry's driving stories. Be sure to stay tuned until the end of this episode to hear a sneak
2: peek of next week's episode with Mariel Fry from Connecticut. She shared with us a lot about the Jersey driving culture, about not having to ever pump gas and also the Jersey slide. Thank you for tuning in this week. And if you enjoyed
1: this episode, you can help support the show by sharing it with your friends or leaving us a review on Podchaser. It truly does help us get discovered.
2: Thanks for choosing to drive with us and we'll see you all next week. My friends and I, we go to the Jersey
1: shore. So I back in the car with two of my girlfriends And my girlfriend ended up cutting
0: through part of the highway, like through one side of a major highway to another side of a major highway
1: because she almost missed a stop and cut through everything, which is called the Jersey Slide. She just went for it and ended up going on the curb.